Good morning, church. And this is, uh, again, Resurrection Sunday. Did you know that we just started the new year with Resurrection Sunday? Jesus is alive. He is alive indeed. Yes. Amen. I see several new faces, and uh, we'll get to the visitors at the end of the service, but uh, we thank you for coming and listening. We are beginning a new series this morning. Uh, I know that many of you are good students of the Word. Well, this is the very first time I have ever done a series on the book of Romans. So you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to be students that will pull it out of me. Okay? And that means that uh, it may be an opportunity for you to maybe if I say something good and you agree with it, say amen. amen. I haven't said anything yet, John. <laughs> but if I don't, you just give me a little bit of feedback on what are you talking about? And I will try to catch that and be a little more careful. But God has been preparing my heart these last couple of weeks, thinking about this study. And there have been several of you who have asked me, you mentioned that you wanted to do this. And I said, yes, I do want to do it sometime, but I've just been pushing it off, pushing it off. And so because you've been persistent, I asked the Lord and I feel like this is the time to dive in. So it's either sink or swim. So let's swim, okay? God is uh, gracious in his Holy Spirit and being our teacher. And I am going to be a student along with you as we study this, this word. The gospel of God, very unusual statement, not very uh, found very often in the Bible, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, but the gospel of God. And I think that it has to do with what we went through last year, all the way from Genesis through quite a few passages in the Old Testament. And so Paul, being the man that he became, was really an expert on the Old Testament. We're going to talk about him a little bit here. But first of all, I'd like to just clarify that this gospel of God is really concerning his son. That, as you recall from Genesis, was his very focus in the beginning. That's what he had in mind, was his son. 
And he knew ahead of time that he would be sending his son as the lamb. And we covered that, I, I trust, adequately through our Genesis study as well as our tabernacle study. And trust that you've, you've got some of these things. Now let's really anchor it, anchor it firmly in our New Testament understanding. So let's read Romans 1, or I will read it, Romans 1, 1 to 7. Now, one of the challenges with Paul, not just in Romans, but right off the bat here, we have one sentence. This is one sentence. There is no period here. So you'll see that it's lined up a little bit differently than your Bible is. In fact, how many of you would confess that when you read Paul, you, because it's not in outline form, it's hard to put, well, where does this to go, or where does this from come, or through what? Amen. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, John. I, I'm, I'm really getting jazzed up now. <laughs> That was a problem for me as I was preparing this. Where is he jumping on a new subject? Where is it that we need to tie it into? So this is how we're going to study it this morning. Paul, a bond servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness. Jesus Christ through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Paul, to all who are the beloved of God in Rome, called to be saints, called as saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's like a mine, a silver mine, a gold mine. It's a wealth of knowledge and understanding and wisdom power for these are Christian lives and we thank you that you have revealed yourself and revealed your son to us and so as we begin this study open our hearts we want to be teachable we want to receive from the word that it be implanted in our hearts strongly, that it grow 
that we mature, that we come to a greater understanding as well as an application in our lives of these scriptures. We thank you for these words and we receive them by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Paul says he is a bondservant, but you know, with Paul there is a understanding that we get from Scripture, he really was not a bondservant. He speaks of being a bondservant because those in Rome knew what slaves and bondservants were. In our world, this is a very negative terminology. In the Roman context, it wasn't negative at all. In fact, it was expected. In fact, there were even some who wanted to be slaves. Well, some of you in in Japan think you are <laughs> slaves. We talked about the shakaijin. They're excited about getting their first job, but give them a couple of years and they'll, how do I get this shackle off me? I think I'll escape to the United States. Well, we have a very negative view of slavery. Paul is putting this in the context of his world, but also bringing to us a reality. You know, we are all slaves of something. There are things that hold us down and we don't feel ourselves to be free. And it could be something that nobody else knows about. But in Paul's case, it was right out in the open. He said he was a bondservant. He was a slave of Jesus Christ. Called as an apostle. That wasn't gunfire, was it? <laughs> oh, I know what it is. It's a, a sports day or something like that, right? That, did anybody hear that? Yeah, okay. Amen. <laughs> Our hearing's still good. Called as an apostle. We don't really know what an apostle is, but as we look at Paul's life, I think we're going to discover what an apostle really is, what a definition is. Set apart. Paul was set apart. He had a profession. He had an identity. He was respected 
but he realized in his encounter with Jesus Christ, he was set apart. Let's go to the next slide, Paul's background. At birth, he was called Saul, which means prayed for. Later, he was named, called Paul, which meant little or little of stature, small in stature. So were you thinking that he probably wasn't a very tall man? Some have called him the little Jew. But he was of great stature. Great stature. As we will understand as we go through the, the book of Romans. Acts 13.9 But Paul, Saul, who was also known as uh, Paul, from here on out in Acts, he's referred to as Paul, except one time he uses his old name, Saul. Philippians 3.5 says he was, and this is his words, circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. He was a persecutor of the early church at the outset of the Gospel of Acts. Particularly, we notice him He comes on the scene at the stoning of the first martyr of the church, Stephen. Stephen had given a long message, which probably really irritated those Pharisees. And they said, enough of this. And they drove him out of the city and they stoned him to death. And that was the beginning of a great persecution in the church. When they had driven him, Stephen, out of the city, they began stoning him, and witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Then we read Acts 8, 1 and 3. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him, Stephen, to death. And on that day, a great Persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they, the Christians, or the people of the way, were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. Very zealous realizing that this new religion of the way was contrary to what his understanding was of the Old Testament. But Acts 9 has a a very wonderful story, and I would really encourage you this week to read chapter 9, to really understand who is this man, Paul, says, now Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters for him 
to the synagogues at uh, Damascus so that he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, and he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he felt, fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Obviously, there was instantaneous recognition of Jesus Christ. This was probably, I would surmise, this was his first encounter of really seeing Jesus Christ. And who was this Jesus? He wasn't the Nazarene. He was the resurrected Jesus from the grave. And he recognized who he was. That's incredible. That is incredible. And that is what the New Testament, and that's what Paul wants to offer to us, to recognize Jesus. And Paul in this state, actually, by the flash of the light, he was blinded. So he perceived this spiritually, I believe. Who are you, Lord? And the reply, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. In Acts 9, 7 to 20, Now, there was a disciple of Damascus named Ananias. After laying his hands on Paul, said, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized, and he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. Incredible conversion. And many of you probably have had that kind of a conversion experience where you were going one way, you met Jesus, and you're going exactly the opposite. Some of you haven't. Some of you were raised in Christian homes. And you don't have this wonderful conversion experience. But nonetheless, you know when Jesus is speaking to you. And, you know, it is not a negative thing to be raised in a Christian home. Any other amens around? (laughs) In fact, that is a blessing. And that's what we desire in this church. That we raise up these young people, these children that we have, to be followers of Jesus Christ right from the start. What a blessing. Many of us didn't have that. But God's grace comes to us. And you're going to find that grace is a very strong foundational word of the book of Romans. Because 
It's all about grace. It's not about our good works. It's his grace. And it was God's grace on Paul. Paul was a contributor. Thank you, Junko. Nobody saw that. <laughs> Paul was a, made a great contribution to the New Testament and to the church. Thirteen letters. Galatians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, Philemon, Colossians, and Philippians. Not Philippines, Philippians. 1st and 2nd, uh, 1st Peter and Titus. 1st Timothy and Titus and 2nd Timothy. Now I know why our pastor back home said, Paul said in 1 Peter, <laughs> Katie and I laughed, but uh, the rest of the congregation didn't pick it up. Pete, if you're listening to this, uh, we forgive you. He was set, a, set apart for the gospel. In, incredible, incredible legacy to us, the church. We owe so much to this brother in Christ. Our friend. The one who cared about us. Who were aliens. Who were far, far from Christ. And we come to know him more deeply than we ever had through Paul's writings. And you will understand by going through this book in this next month or so, It'll actually be probably a couple of months or more. Maybe till the end of this year. I don't know. That <laughs> you will really understand, if you haven't already, what it is to be a Christian. How many have ever gone through the book of Romans in a study or in a preaching? Hearing somebody preach? Okay. Good, good. So that gives us an opportunity to share this together with those that didn't raise their hands and that we can begin as a church not talking about some news or some uh, politician or the politics back in the United States. Let's just get our minds off of that, okay? Let's talk about real things about what God what God is doing in our lives based on Romans. And I don't mind the distractions of any phone. Just go ahead and answer it. <laughs> Set apart for the gospel of God. This is God's gospel as we talked about in Genesis. What was the title of the Genesis series? No, Katie, you... <laughs> what was the name of the series that we had in Genesis? The Gospel According to Genesis. See, I wasn't so nuts in coming up with that title. Paul even says it. It's the Gospel of God. It's his Gospel. And he started it out right in Genesis 1. We're not going back there. We're going to lay it 
We already laid that foundation. We will continue in this chapter. The gospel of God, which he promised beforehand. When did he promise it? Come on, those of you who were in the Genesis series. When did we first hear about the gospel? Chapter 1? Chapter 2? Oh, I didn't hear it. Mayumi, I did not hear that. 3, okay, chapter 3. Chapter 3 tells us that God, to provide for the covering of this shame-ridden couple, sheds the blood of an animal and clothes them with skins so that their shame is covered. And all of you good kanji experts, what picture is in your mind right now? What is the picture in your mind? I can't hear you. No. What's that? The lamb over me. The lamb over me. What does that mean? Well, here in Japan, we understand it perfectly, particularly since Kent was, my son was just here and shared that with us. Gi, righteousness. The lamb over what? Over self. We look at it in Japanese. That's righteousness. Yes, you see it in combination with other kanji, but nonetheless, it means righteousness, rightness, truth, reality. The lamb over me, when God looks at me, as I've trusted in Jesus Christ, he sees a righteous man. He sees a righteous woman. A righteous child. That's our position. That, to us, is the promise beforehand. Right from the very beginning. Through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ. The man who came as a man but God in human flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, not apart from us. God amongst us. The one who grew up as a child from birth, understanding where we are, yet without sin himself taking upon himself our weaknesses, was tempted, but not committed, had not committed sin. He had overcome Satan in a direct confrontation and said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And this becomes then our protection. This becomes our guidebook for a holy life. 
for a righteous life where we get under the covering of the Lamb of God and we are considered righteous. Paul will teach us what that really means. The nitty-gritty, the nuts and bolts of what it is for us as Christians to be covered. It's not philosophical. It is actual. It is part of our DNA as believers in Jesus Christ. Concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David. Who was that? Katie, you're not allowed to say any answers here. I'm sorry, you know all the answers. I told you what they were. Mary. Mary was a gift to us, church. Gift to the world. And she was the giver of a gift. She was the vessel. She was the one who truly said, Hey, Joseph, look, this little boy. God is with us. God is with us. What was she saying? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. She never called him Emmanuel, but she said, God is with us. Paul will teach us about this. Romans will teach us about this. What it is for him to come in flesh and for us walk in the way of righteousness and we can become like him, a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. That was the evidence. That was the proof that Jesus Christ was the anointed one. He was the one who had been set aside to be our Redeemer. No one else, no one else in history has had that title. He is our Redeemer. He is our kinsman Redeemer. He is related to us as a man who knows what it it is to have been born as a man, grown up, given 30 years until he had an opportunity to share and reveal who he was to the world. Our Savior, by the resurrection of the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus had that spirit in him. And so therefore last week when we said that Before he left them, Jesus breathed into his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to us who have put our trust in Jesus Christ. 
and named him as our Savior. And God honors that. And Jesus gives us the Spirit of God. If you have named Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have already the Spirit of God in you. You have been become a new creature. Yes, there are ways in which we need to continue to walk with the Lord. And Paul will teach us about this as well. Walk with him on a daily basis, trusting in him, and he will fill us with the Holy Spirit. And one of the ideas of filling is, and maybe you've heard this before, it's like there's a glass of water, but there are some marbles or some rocks in the bottom of it. And you fill the cup or the glass to the top. Is it full of water? No, it is not. But if we reach down there, we pull, pull out some of those rocks and some of those things that should not be in our life, it gives opportunity for God to fill our life with his Holy Spirit. So that those areas that nobody else knows about can be open and the Holy Spirit can be in that area of your life. And you can walk in his fullness. Paul will teach us about that. We will learn about that from Romans. He knew about this. He he experienced it. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is the one who is indwelling us by his Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is declaring. The whole gospel, the whole the whole uh, book of Romans is really in this introduction. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. Paul is getting right down now to... The, the very point of this letter and the people who are reading this letter even today, the truth and the reality of it is pointing to us. He says, among all the Gentiles, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his namesake. None of us have qualified in the natural because of either our birth or our position in life or even the fact that we were raised in a Christian home. None of us qualify as being a true follower of the God of Israel. Other than the fact that we recognize his Son. That's the first step that is the entrance into 
being what we would call a Christian. We can adopt many customs. We can, we can bring things into our life that make us look Christian. Even going to church on Sunday, we can think, well, he's a, or she is a Christian. And somebody has said, well, just because you're in a garage doesn't mean you're a car. And just because you're in a church on Sunday morning doesn't mean you're a Christian. You have to have something inside your life. Not something, someone. You have to have him inside. That's the qualification to be of Israel, the true Israel. Paul will later talk about the true Israel. Those of us who know that, that is a grace to us. It is a gift to us. It is an anointing. It is a setting apart. Just as Paul says, among all the Gentiles, for his namesake, God wants to do this throughout the world. He didn't reserve it for Israel, the Jews alone. And that was their greatest error. And that's why he sent the church. That's why he formed the church. That's why the church, on their first day coming out of their prayer time, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They knew what God had called them to. among whom you are called of Jesus Christ. And so he says to them, Paul, to all who are beloved of Tokyo, of Japan, can you imagine? To all beloved of God in Japan, called as saints, We talked about this a few weeks ago, about the fact that we are called saints. It doesn't mean that you have to do special miracles and and so many miracles count up for, okay, now you're a saint. No. It just has to do with, have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? Has he come into your life? Have you said, Jesus, I need you in my life? If so, you are a saint. He has forgiven your sins. He has recognized you as his child. You are a saint. 